Welcome to this endo life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endo warrior, an endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's <laughs> the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them I don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to the lovely girls at Semaine. They are two sisters with endometriosis. They've been on the show before and they founded Semaine, which is a supplement company for people with periods to originally their first supplement was to aid with PMS and period pain. And I know that it is a lifesaver for so many people with endometriosis and painful periods. I absolutely love that supplement. It's really helped me when I've had to kind of follow protocols for SIBO or, you know, I've had a stressful time and I've been worried about my period. I've been able to avoid a fare with that supplement and they've always been so kind and um, kindly sent me sent me them when I when I've needed them. And now they've come out with a new supplement called the Daily, and it is a hormone balancing supplement, which is designed to help with healthy skin, stable mood, fewer cravings in your luteal phase, blood sugar balance. And they recently gifted it to me. Honestly, I said this to my client the other day. My blood sugar levels have never felt so stable as they did when I was taking that day, daily supplement. As you guys know, I I work very hard to stabilize my blood sugar levels because that will keep inflammation down and it also ensures that you have healthy balanced hormones. It's, it's really, really key. 
And I have a history of having really unstable blood sugar. Originally growing up, it was because of my eating disorder. But then in later years, it was much more down to firstly following a vegan diet when I didn't understand how to build my plate, a healthy blood sugar balancing plate. And secondly, because of my microbiome and my microbiome because of SIBO is built to actually extract more glucose from my food and cause blood sugar instability. This is actually a really key piece of blood sugar. If your blood sugar is resisting all of the strategies you're trying, that is a massive clue that your microbiome is affecting the way that your blood sugar is is being controlled in your body. So we need to work on that, work on your gut. And mine has improved, mine has improved massively, but I still react much more um, erratically than someone else would to blood sugar fluctuations. And I couldn't believe the difference. It was like I had a whole month of like stable blood sugar. It was incredible. And as a result, I had much more of a healthier cycle. I felt a lot more satisfied. I had less food cravings. I just felt a lot more stable in energy. So I'm a really big fan of this. And as I said, blood sugar is a huge piece to managing your hormones, hence why blood sugar is such a big part of their their supplement. So the girls have kindly given me a discount code for you guys. It will get you 20% off your first um, order, whether that's the daily or the PMS and Pira support capsules. And the code is ENDOLIFE, one word, all caps. So E-N-D-O-L-I-F-E. And that code is valid for the next six months, I believe. So you can use it at any time. Um, So let me know how you get on with them. I'd love to hear if you find them as amazing as I did. And I hope that they bring you a happier and healthier cycle and period. Hi, everyone. So today's episode is the fourth in my IG live series I'm doing for Endometriosis Awareness Month. This week, we are talking about how to recover from fatigue and brain fog with endo and some of the most common factors causing these symptoms. We have one more IG Live left this week. It is going to be on Wednesday. Um, So make sure you follow me at the Endo Belly Coach if you want to ask your questions or kind of follow along in real time. So today I'm answering your questions, how to explain to someone you aren't lazy, you're fatigued, but how to do it in a friendly and assertive way. Does brain fog and fatigue cause low motivation levels? Tips for working a nine-to-five office job when recovering from HPA axis dysfunction and how to support the mitochondria. If you want to learn more about how to recover from fatigue and brain fog, I actually teach the exact steps inside my course, Live and Thrive with Endo, The Foundations. Four key steps to managing endometriosis holistically, reducing your symptoms naturally and finally beating the endo overwhelm. This four-module course will provide you with the most effective yet easy-to-digest tools and strategies to reduce your pain, fatigue, endobelly, brain fog, and hormonal symptoms and allow you to live your life again. Each lesson includes the core foundational needle movers that I've seen work with my clients time and time again. You get all the essential information that you need to be endo without the overwhelm. Doors are currently open and close Sunday the 2nd of April, 10pm British Summertime.
And so to give you some more information, there are four key modules. Module one is the role of inflammation and anti-inflammatory nutrition, aka how to lower pain. Module two is blood sugar, endo, and hormones, aka how to balance hormones. Module three is circadian rhythm, sleep, and HPA access recovery, aka how to beat brain fog and fatigue. Module four is structural support and pain signals, aka how to tackle nerve pain, painful sex, bowel movements, urination, and reduce adhesions. And then we have bonus module five, getting started with managing the endo belly, also known as how to banish the bloat and ease IBS. You also get four extra bonuses on top of that, supplements for endo module, natural pain relief toolkit masterclass, a weekly meal plan template, my book thrown in for free. And if you sign up before this Thursday, 10 p.m. British summertime, you also get the holistic pre and post-surgery protocol masterclass. The course is completely self-paced. You have lifetime access and you also get a community group too. So if you want to learn more about that, the link is in the show notes, um, or you can just go to www.theendobellycoach.com live-thrive-with-endo-the-foundations. Okay, so live, thrive, with endo, the foundations, with dashes, all in between. The easiest way is to go to the link in the show notes. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, so today um, we are talking about endo and brain fog and fatigue and really like the causes of that and some strategies to help. Um, so yesterday I did a post on some of the key causes of fatigue. It really varies from person to person, but, um, today I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the more common ones that I see that we can reasonably assume are affecting a lot of us. Um, and that's just going to kind of be woven into my answers. Sorry, the fridge is noisy in the background, but this is sort of the best place for me to to sit today to do this call. So I've got quite a few questions. I've picked four again that I feel cover a lot of the questions that you guys asked. Um, And so hopefully you'll be able to kind of answer your own question by hearing my answers to these, if that makes sense. So the first question is how to explain to someone you aren't lazy. My laptop is up here so if you see me looking up that's why um you're not lazy you're fatigued and say it in a friendly or an assertive way so what I want to say here is obviously I'm not an expert in communication I'm not a psychologist I'm sure there's a lot more that could be said about how to deliver information and have a conversation um in a better way but um Obviously, I'm going to be talking from a health coaching perspective. Um, And so for me, I think that a lot of the assertiveness will be coming from the education that you'll be sharing in the conversation. And then really, it's the mannerism that will kind of take on that friendly tone. Um, But I find that when we share some of the science in a way that is digestible and easy to understand people can't really argue with that um I think people find it harder to grasp when we say how we're feeling 
Um, people can think that we're lying, we're exaggerating, all of these things come into play, but it is a bit harder to, to argue with science. So um, when it comes to kind of, kind of giving them a little bit of education, it does depend on um, why you have fatigue in particular. And that might vary from person to person. As I said, you know, you can go through, um, I've got lots of episodes on this. I've also got that post that I shared yesterday. But what I'm going to do is kind of angle this conversation from two of the general um, factors that I think influence a lot of people and that we know from the research do influence a lot of people. Um, And you know, I I see it a lot. Not everyone's going to have hypothyroidism. Not everyone's going to have celiac disease. Not everyone's going to have, um, I can't think of another example right now, but does that make sense? I'm just trying to keep it more generalized. So the first one that you could explain is that people with endometriosis in the research have been shown to have lower levels of, uh, waking cortisol levels. And you can explain that this isn't about, you know, the stress response here it's more about let me explain that better so cortisol is not just your stress hormone it's also your waking hormone so it's the hormone that wakes you up in the morning and powers you through the day and then in the evening it tapers off I mean it tapers off throughout the day but if you're having this conversation just say it lowers at night um, to allow us to sleep but it is the hormone that gives us sort of the get up and go and the drive to get through the day in combination with you know fuel from food etc so people with endometriosis have been shown in the research to have low levels of waking cortisol. I can't recall whether they looked at the rest of the cortisol for the day, um, but certainly when I look at cortisol levels with my clients, um, most of them have low levels throughout the day. Some of them spike at night, so they have trouble sleeping. But certainly I think we can uh, reasonably assume that the cortisol levels may also be affected during the day. It will vary from person to person. Um, so, you know, cortisol, this isn't a choice, right? It's not a choice to be to be lazy or to not kind of have the drive to do something. You literally have less of that hormone that gets other people through the day. There is a real physical difference between you and say your co-worker who's calling you lazy um it's not about being able to push yourself through something because your your body just doesn't physically have the reserves to do that does that make sense um so now your cortisol can improve it if you're living with endometriosis and you find that your symptoms don't, you know, you're not having great symptom resolution, you might always have to contend with a little bit of some cortisol struggles. Um, although I'm, I'm kind of, I'm yet to see a case where endo symptoms can't get better, but I can't say for a fact that we're going to get our levels completely to a normal, you know, to, to someone else's level, an optimum level. I don't know that answer, but I've seen cortisol levels really, really improve to great levels. Um, but I just don't want to make that sweeping generalization for everyone. But in short, we can improve your cortisol levels. I wouldn't necessarily say that to them. <laughs> 
Um, because if you do, then you've got this hanging over you that they're expecting you to put the work in to get better at some point. And it can take, you know, anything from six months to two years to um, recover from low cortisol levels. And like I said, in some cases, how do we know that those levels are never going to get back to like optimum because you, your, your body has other things going on that I don't know, you know, I don't know about and not working with all of you. So I think there's a lot of variables. So to say to someone, yeah, I'm working on it, like it will be better in a couple of years time. I just wouldn't say that. I would just explain there is this physical difference between you and I. You have the get up and go hormone, you know, in adequate healthy levels that helps power you through the day. I don't, you know, some levels I've seen are like tanked, they're on the floor. So this is going to have an impact, you know, on your body. Um, one of the other key factors is mitochondrial dysfunction. So um, the mitochondria, as I explained in the post last night, they're the powerhouses of our cells. They make energy. So they take the, the glucose, they take the nutrients, um, and they convert them into energy. They power every single cell in the body. Everything relies on your mitochondria to be working properly. Now, we know that chronic inflammation, oxidative stress, which causes inflammation, damage the mitochondria. We also know that people with endometriosis have higher levels of inflammatory markers, higher levels of oxidative stress, and lower levels of antioxidants, which protect the body from, um, from inflammation and oxidative stress. So it's a reasonable assumption um, to even without testing, if you're very, very fatigued, um, if you're suffering with brain fog, it's a reasonable assumption to assume that your mitochondria are being impacted by chronic inflammation levels in, in your body. So um, when mitochondria are struggling, they, you're, you're struggling with mitochondrial dysfunction, your body, your cells do not have enough energy to function. You're not, you're literally not making enough energy. So again, you just can't, you just can't really argue with that. Um, so you're kind of killing them with science in a, in a way. Um, because I think that when you offer people your, you tell people how you're feeling, how difficult it is for you. They can never really grasp it. They, they are not you. They don't know what it feels like. And they will obviously have their own biases um, and their own judgments. Um, so that can make it difficult to believe you. But when you are explaining how you're physically different, you know, you have these challenges that they don't have, it's harder for them to argue with that. And I hope it's easier for them to also understand. Um, if they are being very picky, you could always send them some science, but, um, you know, you could, but I would hope that they don't need that. Um, I just want to make sure I've covered all of my notes that I wanted to say. Uh, so I've got, um, I hurt my tooth earlier, so I keep, like, feeling it with my tongue. I'm worried that I've chipped it or something. Um, yeah, that's another point. You can simplify this as much as you want, like, you might not feel that you want to put it in those terms. You could literally say, um, you know, some of the key parts in the body that are responsible for making energy don't work as well for me. Um, it's in the research. 
And so we have differences in our energy production that therefore affects my motivation, my uh, my brain function, the speed that I can do things with, how much energy I've got to get me through my day, all of these things. So um, you can play with your description as much as you feel works for that person. But having that kind of scientific backup, I think, can be really helpful. Um, okay, so... All right. Yeah. So the next question was, I have terrible motivation. Can this be related to fatigue? So yes, absolutely. Um, you know, feeling fatigued, brain fogged, anxious, de depressed, all of those that we struggle with, with endometriosis. We know things like um, depression, anxiety are associated with endo. We know people with endo have brain fog and fatigue. These can all manifest as low motivation levels. Um, and especially if we consider something like I just spoke about, like low cortisol, you know, cortisol, as I explained, is, is the hormone that's going to be powering us through our day um, alongside some other things like, like I said, glucose from food. Um, and especially from a stress point of view, um, we think about cortisol as our stress hormone, but we often label it as a bad hormone, but actually it's crucial for getting us through stress. If you don't have a sufficient enough cortisol to deal with a stressful situation, you're going to really struggle with that situation. You're going to avoid that situation. Um, you, you know, so for example, Lucy, I know that the context of this question and for you, you are struggling with um, your masters. And so stress when cortisol and adrenaline kick in they are literally providing your body with the resources to meet that demand right to meet that stressful demand so it might be writing a paper it might be doing some research it might be um i don't know doing something to do with university that feels really stressful for you your body needs a healthy amount of cortisol and adrenaline to be able to meet that demand and to be able to release the resources that your body needs to do that so if you do not have enough cortisol to deal with that, then you're going to struggle. You're literally not going to have the, the resources to meet that demand. And that can manifest as feeling like you want to avoid something that you don't have the motivation to do it. Now, because I know you're doing a master's and you said that this, this has kind of plagued you during the master's, um, perhaps you started with low cortisol levels already and now they're lower, but perhaps if you went into, because I remember when you started this master's, you, you already felt really, really stressed. So you might have been producing high cortisol levels. Um, and what we know is that for some people, this prolonged period of stress will eventually um, deplete cortisol levels, cortisol levels lower. Um, and this is because it's an adaptive response from the body because high levels of cortisol, not healthy levels, but high levels of cortisol for an extended period of time damage the body. Um, so eventually the body adapts and actually lowers the output. So you could kind of be on the end tail of this now where you are experiencing these lower levels. And you're like, I just don't have the energy to keep going anymore. I, just, I can't keep doing this. You know, you were able to get through to a certain extent and now you can't. And so that is essentially what we mean when we talk about burnout. Um, on the kind of related to this is that mitochondrial dysfunction, right? We're already struggling um, with lower levels of antioxidants, higher levels of oxidative stress, etc. Um, but um, 
if you have been exposed to chronic stress and your cortisol was able to get up to those higher levels that is required during stress now you know sometimes it can exceed that sometimes it's just like our, our cortisol gets to a high but healthy level but it's been just up there for too long you've been stressed for too long or it could be that you're really producing far too much um like i can see alex says she's got extremely high cortisol levels um so that will result in chronic inflammation if that's been going on for a long time so what happens the mitochondria get affected right we stop producing enough energy so that could also be something that's been going on for you lucy you've got that um that kind of end result of the chronic stress has started to impact the mitochondria so you just don't have the energy to to take on life work as you were before um i just want to see if i made any other notes uh Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, you know, with the other question, there are so many factors that will influence someone's fatigue. You know, sometimes it can be as simple as someone wasn't drinking enough, like dehydration manifests as chronic fatigue and brain fog or fatigue and brain fog. Um, you know, other people might have hypothyroidism, low iron levels. If you have heavy menstrual bleeding, a lot of us have nutrient deficiencies. So there are lots of things that could be affecting this. This is just some kind of going along the general lines but um so obviously without working with someone one-on-one i can never say for sure so this is not like tailored one-to-one advice this is some general advice um but the other thing that i wanted to say is there are obviously some lifestyle considerations or circumstantial considerations to make um if you know if lucy like you don't enjoy the masters or you are not interested in it anymore or you've got other things going on in your life like relationship struggles that make it's making it really hard for you to concentrate um uh or you're struggling with i know you said dyslexia might be a challenge for you so all do you doubt yourself do you doubt your abilities to do the masters all of these things could potentially be affecting your perception of this project this dissertation whatever it may be and that could be creating feelings of avoidance or behaviors of avoidance um so there might be some things that you need to reckon with and work through as well as from a physical perspective does that make sense i hope so um okay so let's take a second water um Tips for working at a nine-to-five office job recovering from HPX's dysfunction. So um, if you're working in a standard nine-to-five, there's only so much that you're going to be able to control in your work day, right? You can certainly have a conversation with your um, employers, with your team, you know, maybe make some reasonable adjustments. I think that's absolutely fine to 
to consider. Um, but outside of work is where you're going to have more of the control. And there are a couple of things that can be brought into your, your work day, which I'll talk about in a minute. But, um, you know, getting enough sleep is going to be one of the most crucial factors here. Um, now, you know, if you have insomnia, that might panic you. So you can start another another place but actually what we're going to put in, into place to support your sleep is going to help with insomnia in the long term so you know I understand that let's think about the stresses of a nine to five you might not get home till seven then you've got to like make dinner do the washing up all of those things it might be half eight nine o'clock by the time that you're like oh I've got some me time maybe you like to exercise after work maybe you like to see friends after work I think it's about really when you're in those early stages of recovery, minimizing the non-essentials. Basically, sleep trumps pretty much, you know, all of these things, except for things that are going to bring you joy, right? So if you, within reason, right, I don't say go clubbing, you know, with your friends till 3 a.m. in the morning, but if you like to have dinner with your friends um, meet up for a couple of hours or walk with your friends after work or something that's different because joy is a big part of hpa axis recovery it's going to help to regulate your nervous system um so i don't want you to live this really you know restricted lonely life where you're like in bed by nine o'clock and you know all you're doing is coming home having dinner and going to bed that's not what i mean but you know if you're really trying to fit into fit the gym in or like you just have these routines that you feel like you need to do to be healthy um really nothing as is, is essential as sleep and and eating right eating and drinking those are like your top top things so um doing what you can to clear your plate and really getting real with yourself. Because I think it's really easy to think that everything is essential, but it's not when we kind of strip it down to the basics. Um, so, you know, if you're finishing, say you're you're kind of ready to stop at nine o'clock, maybe you go to sleep to give yourself like some wind down time. Maybe you go to sleep at 11, you wake up at seven. If you have to wake up at six, you know, you're trying to go to bed around 10, 10.30, because we want that seven and a half hour sleep as a minimum. Um, to help you to get there, swap in your lights in the evening to amber. So get a couple of, um, you're obviously not going to want all your lights on amber during the day. So, getting a couple of lamps um why can't I think of this word lampshades just evening lamps <laughs> just lamps you know that you can dot around your house and use amber lighting in those there is a company called blue block blue light I think they used to be called blue blocks but now they're called block blue light they make like the best amber lights but they're really expensive they do I think they apparently last five years or something but they are expensive about 40 quid those do not omit any blue light um, and they mimic, mimic the kind of evening firelight that we need to actually lower our cortisol levels and raise melatonin so when you get in um, obviously don't walk around in the dark making dinner it's gonna be difficult so just basically turn on lots of different amber lights in the house um, you know even get an extension lead and put one in the bathroom because the bathrooms obviously where um, our usually where there's a lot of the white bright light like with those horrible overhead um lights that kind of go into the ceiling can't remember what they're called um you know i'll have lots of candles in the bathroom however you can make it work 
Um, I try to basically wash my face, you know, by seven, eight o'clock with the light on because otherwise I struggle. Um, and then I always regret it when I'm like, oh, it's gone past eight and I'm trying to keep all the lights down and now I've got to like wash my face by candlelight. <laughs> that's a pain. Um, so that's going to really help regulate your sleep-wake cycle, your cortisol levels. Um, also trying to bring in something that's going to tell your brain, tell your body it's time to wind down because the, the kind of entire process of HP axis recovery is really about teaching your body how to regulate cortisol again, teaching your body when cortisol needs to lower, when cortisol needs to rise, and at night it needs to lower. And on the flip side, in the morning it needs to rise. So some things to help with that that are in your control is how do you wake up, right? Ideally a light alarm clock with some sort of gentle waking sound, bird song, a river rushing, the sea, calming music, Please don't use your phone alarm or your, you know, a horrible shrill alarm clock. That's going to really dysregulate your stress response in the morning. It's going to actually really just not help with your recovery. Um, even if you just get a cheap light alarm clock for now, if you can't do that, you know, it might be that you use a gentler song, a gentler alarm on your phone, whatever you can do. Um, and then once you've woken up in this way, um, trying to get some light daylight to your eyes, not through a window, but opening the window or drinking your drink outside, your morning drink, eating your breakfast outside or sitting by an open window, getting ready by an open window, whichever, you know, I don't know your house. I don't know your morning routine. However you feel you can do it. Um if you've got time to go for a walk in the morning or to go into the garden, amazing. If you don't, you're going to get more light probably on your commute into work. But trying to get that light, even for 10 minutes at a window, you know, as soon as you can is going to really, really help. Don't leave the blinds shut. Don't, you know, don't leave the curtains shut. The first thing I do when I wake up, other than pee, because I'm always desperate. So I pee first, then I come back and I open all of the curtains. That is like the first thing I do because I have low waking cortisol levels. They're very, very low. And so, you know, I really want that light response because it's the light that regulates our cortisol. When our eyes see light, our cortisol levels uh, continue to rise. So that's going to be really helpful. Um, balancing your blood sugar levels is also going to be really crucial. So at least starting with a good blood sugar balance in breakfast, uh, where you've got fat, fiber, and protein, don't skip it. It's not going to help you. Um, so if you can continue that blood sugar balance throughout your day and you're eating to support your blood sugar, that's going to be really helpful. But as a starting place, you might want to begin with your breakfast. Um, Get in a quick five, even if it's just five minutes, getting outside during your work day to see light again is going to help to reset the cortisol, let it know where it's supposed to be. So those are some really core foundational strategies that you can use. Now, that's actually, a, you know, if you wrote all of that down, you'd be like, that's quite a lot to do all at once. I don't recommend doing it all at once, especially when you're super, super fatigued. Just start with one. You could spend six months, a year, bringing those strategies in, um, slowly, step by step. Um, so don't feel like you have to do it all at once. You could start with like, oh, oh my gosh, so, so crucial. I forgot to mention the seat piece. A regular seat wait time. So you know what I was saying, like 11 p.m. seat, 7 a.m. get up. 
practicing that, even if you've got insomnia, is really going to help tell your cortisol when to lower and when to rise. It might feel like shit for a while. Um, you could, I mean, you're not going to be able to do this as a nine to five, but if you took two weeks off, um, Dr. I can't remember his name. One of the world's leading sleep researchers, he says, you know, you could spend like a couple of weeks sleeping off your sleep debt, which means just sleep until your body wants you to sleep. And then eventually it will start to, um, it will start to regulate. And then you, then you can bring in more of a sleep routine. But if you're doing a nine to five, you're not really going to be able to do that. So um, bringing in this same going to bed time and waking up time is going to really help. Um, even at the weekends, it sucks. Um, so, you know, just try not to vary it too much. It might be like in the beginning, you're going to do like an hour or two, and then maybe you're going to take that back by half an hour, right? You get up at 7am during the week on the weekends, you wake up at nine in the beginning, and then you wake up at half nine, uh, half eight and then you wake up at eight you know um and it's not always going to be perfect don't ever worry about perfection but if we lean towards like that you know 80 20 rule with all of our tools in life the majority of the time we're, we're doing these things to support our body the other times don't worry about it the, the perfection is not going to help your recovery um so those are some things that you can bring in that are within your control obviously speaking to your company as well about your stress levels having support, having some reasonable adjustments, maybe having a later start time or an earlier finish time. Those are going to be really important as well. But I don't, obviously, I don't know your job. Um, okay, last question. I really hurt my dude. Um, How to help mitochondrial dysfunction? There is quite a lot to this, but I'm giving you some of the key most important steps. Um, so lowering inflammation, obviously, right? So we're not doing the, we're not having this active damage going on. Um, so eating a nutrient dense anti-inflammatory diet most of the time, um, balancing blood sugar because when we've got high glucose levels and high insulin levels, that um creates oxidative stress that damages the mitochondria. So those are like really core um parts like getting getting your diet um, to be supportive of the mitochondria is going to be really important. We also want to feed the mitochondria what they need to function well and to do their job, but also to protect them from um, oxidative stress and inflammation. So think, you know, vitamin E, vitamin C, uh, lots of colourful... Ow! Sorry, I just pushed my finger back too far. Um, lots of colourful fruit and veg, lots of leafy greens, healthy proteins. There's also... Um, nutrients like CoQ10, um, carnitine, NAC, uh, all of the B, you know, the B vitamins, magnesium, selenium, all of these are really important. So eating a varied, wide diet. Um, And actually CoQ10 and carnitine, I think, um, have been shown to be deficient in mitochondrial dysfunction and chronic fatigue. So uh, trying to get in lots of food sources of those um, some of the best sources of carnitine is like meat, fish, um, healthy dairy sources, if you can tolerate dairy. Um, some, you know, it's not some fruit and veg like avocado, weirdly. Um, 
obviously there is a very big difference between eating meat that is factory farmed, conventional, raised on corn and grain, and then is a processed burger that's been fried versus grass-fed organic meat that has been put in a stew. So there is going to be a difference there. You know, the former is actually going to be inflammatory. It's probably going to do more damage to your mitochondria um, because of the advanced glycation end products, which cause oxidative stress. And that um, occur with like high heat cooking methods and dry cooking methods or oil, like oil-based methods. And we also know that the nutritional kind of um, content of factory farmed or conventionally farmed meat is different from meat that is organic organic and grass fed. There's more nutrients and then there's more antioxidants in that type of meat. Um, so, and then if you're doing something like if you're cooking meat with water, um, so stewing, boiling, uh, poaching, microwaving those are all actually safer healthier ways to cook meat um so at lower temperatures you know lower temperatures shorter times those are all better ways to cook meat to prevent it from having more inflammatory compounds um so there's that to consider it doesn't mean you can't ever eat a, a fried burger it's just the majority of the time when you eat meat it's you know it's better choices it's in soups or stews or it's poached or something like that um and obviously it can be challenging to always eat organic so it might be that so the cats are trying to go through the cat flap i'm not really sure what they're doing um so it might be that you can occasionally afford organic, but most of the time it's that you're going for free range or grass fed. It's really about um, what you can afford, what fits into your lifestyle, looking into supermarkets and, you know, what offers they have or what their farming methods are, things like that. Um, uh, that was carnitine, I think I said, right? And then in terms of CoQ10, nuts, seeds, fatty fish, uh, avocado, actually, eggs, um, organ meats, beef, especially, um, those all have sources of CoQ10. I do think that when you are really, really fatigued, that it can be helpful. We always want to start with, you know, making sure that we're eating enough um, nutrients, but we we might also need some extra support. And so there are some really great mitochondrial, um, mitochondrial complexes like supplements. You could do that for maybe one to three months to just give your mitochondria a bit of a kickstart. Um, there's one called ATP 360, I think. Um, that's a really good one. There's one by uh, the Energy Blueprint, I think they're called. They've got their own one, which is very good. It's supposed to be the best on the market. I don't, I don't know how true that is or whether it's just a marketing tactic. It definitely has some great stuff in it. Um, there is one more that I like, but I can't remember the name. I'll put it in the um, caption. Um, so you might want to try that. Um Funnily enough, the sleep-wake cycle, so regulating your um, circadian rhythm, everything we just talked about a minute ago, HPA axis recovery, that's really important to help mitochondrial function as well. Um, and trying to remove the threats from the body. So um, in terms of like, this, this is more of a dis difficult one. 
Um, you know, if you've got threats in the body like SIBO or mold exposure, um, you might not have the energy to take those on right now. So it could be about supporting the gut as best that you reasonably can. It could be about, um, you know, removing mold as best you reasonably can until you can take that on in a bigger way. Um, I, like I said to you guys before, I really like bio life, um, Oh God, what's it called? Let me just let me just get it up and then I'll just tell you. So I get it from Amazon. You can get it anywhere, I think. I get it in the UK. I know in America they've got something similar. I can't remember what it's called, but if you look at Dr. Krista, the mold expert, I'm pretty sure she lists it on her website. Um, so BioLife, it's like allergy, here you go. BioLife Air Cleanse. Um, they have BioLife Air Cleanse, BioLife Home Cleanse, and then like a solution that you can put in your laundry. So when we were living in that moldy flat and we couldn't move because of COVID, there were so many things going on. Um, I used that to spray the surfaces, to spray our belongings, to spray the air. And oh my gosh, it helped me so, so much. I um, definitely am still struggling with the effects of mold. I think it's had a really profound effect on me. Um, but you have to do what you can within reason. I don't want, I would rather you actually focused on the food piece, focused on, you know, blood sugar, focused on HP access before you start stressing out, I, out about like, oh my God, I need to move house because like of the mold or, you know, I need to do a year's worth of SIBO treatment. Like that's going to exhaust you. So, you know, give your, your gut like some supportive nutrients, um, give, you know, try to remove the mold that you can, if you've got the energy to do it. Um, if you are using a lot of chemicals in your house, maybe try to reduce the chemical exposure, go to go for more toxin-free products. Basically, we're trying to remove anything that your body is going to be like, whoa, there's a lot of stress going on, there's a lot of inflammation going on, there's a lot of threats. We want to calm that down, um, and that's going to help the mitochondria recover as well. Um, so those would be like kind of four key areas to focus on. I would, Like I said, I would the, the more intensive removal of toxins, I would keep until you've got a bit more energy. But if you can make some simple changes, like um, protecting yourself from mold with those sprays that I mentioned, lowering your exposure to certain chemicals, that's gonna that's gonna be helpful. But there's a lot that goes into mitochondrial dysfunction and recovery, but those are gonna get you on the right track. So I hope that was helpful, everyone. Um, Claudia, yeah, you certainly can, rec you certainly could use L-carnitine, but I would say a complex rather than just one thing, like one thing is not gonna give your mitochondria everything that it needs, but L-carnitine is, is certainly a, a huge one that has been shown to be lower, so you could do that. But I would probably lean more towards a complex, right, that has, couple of different things in it that's going to support the mitochondria like i said i'm going to post this in a minute and i'll put um i'll put some of the brands in so i hope that was helpful guys um this one is really close to my heart you know a lot of you know that i've got really low cortisol levels um and because i have dysautonomia and mcas i'm still this is still an area for me that i'm actually feeling a lot stronger than i've felt in a long time but um you know, the mold, the SIBO treatment, all of that has really thrown my mitochondria uh, and my HP axis through a loop. So um, I know how you guys feel. 
and um, but I promise you there are ways to feel better and get on top of this you do not have to live with this for the rest of your life okay I will see you guys next week for our final IG live um, I hope this was helpful and I will post this on the podcast bye everyone so that's it thank you so much for listening if you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it um, you can head to my Instagram page which is this underscore endolife um, you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. Music.